On this edition of Discologist, Eduardo and Kevin will be discussing, in order, Hall and Oates and their friend, Restraining Order, Peter Gabriel's release strategy, Andre 3000's flute, new music from Amaro Frietas, old music from the Raspberries, and finally, Elizabeth Moen's remarkable LP, Wherever You Aren't, an album that surely slays as much in 2023 as it did in 2022 when it was released. Forget the rules. Forget what you think you know. It is the season finale of Discologist, and your experience begins now. Because it's our last episode? Yeah, except the year-end thing, which we're going to do. But we might yes. we might commit to having AI do that. I don't know how you feel about that. We'll, we'll talk about that in this episode, maybe. <laughs> like, okay. maybe okay. AI will be, maybe I'll, I'll be good. But uh, it's our last normal episode, our last review episode. We've been a little uh, sporadic in this sort of second half, second season of the year. Uh, but that's because, you know, we got things to do, right? You know, we got... Yeah, and not to and like I think a little bit of maybe a spoiler for um, for the year end talk is just uh, you know there have been some good releases this year. We've talked about the ones that I think we think are really good. <laughs> <laughs> so look at how many episodes we've done, and that'll probably give you. A sense. I, I think you can get like squarely uh, our list, uh, but yeah. I think you know we're rounding, we're finishing this out with a with a good one that wasn't even released this year. That's a twenty two release, huh? which I think well, it was released at the end of twenty two, so barely. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so what the people I think really discovered it. It's Elizabeth Moans, wherever you aren't. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how that came my way. This was my pick, um, but before that, we got a lot of little news tidbits to, you know, delve into. I, you know, I don't even know. Even the music news has been a little boring, and depressing. Like Live Nation today. Gave a raise to everybody. Uh, you know what the well, response from Niva is going to be? Is like, it's like, ah, oh, that's anti-competitive. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. If the people at Live Nation are making a better living than the people at your venue that you could pay, um, not not a really small venue, not a place like Cactus. Although Cactus, <laughs> Cactus plays well. So what am I talking yeah. about? It's a choice, people. Um. You know, there's stuff. There's AI stuff. There's uh, Hollow Notes. Ooh, we can talk about that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've only I've only followed some some headlines here. I know there was some uh, Tom Sharpling John Worcester discussion last night. Oh, uh, I didn't see on that. The best show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Philly, Philly boy Roy, I believe, had some things to say about it. So I don't know how I don't know if people really know how much I enjoy Hollenets. Would, would well, you say I a do, lot? But others others don't. <laughs> others don't. How, how, how uh, maybe much we should. How much would you say I enjoy Hollenets? Uh. I would say you're in the top tenth of a percentile of Holland Oates listeners, probably, or enjoy- enjoyers. Not like in terms of like how Spotify measures listening right, time, right, right. but just like. But I think you really. Uh, and what was what well, I, I was just seeing something where there was a question that was put to like, where the question was like, what is a what is a corny white band that black people love. Oh, and or, you know, oh, 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 you know what it was? It was about how like, you know, Death Grips, 
right? And that sort of genre of hip hop attracts yeah, yeah. a lot of like guys who are not tough, guys who look like you and me, yeah, right? Yeah, and who go yeah. to those shows and it's like sort of like this nerdy white audience. <laughs> yeah. And the question was like, what is what is the comparable dynamic of like a sort of nerdy white band that attracts like hard dudes uh, from the African-American community. And one of the answers was like, you know what? Like if a guy, if like a guy tells you he likes Hall and Oates, like he's probably really tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, <laughs> that's the Philly thing in there. We could do a, we could do a whole season on Hall and Oates, to be honest with you. And like, and there's a place for uh, both of them in like the Philly and the Soul Music Hall of Fame uh, regardless. Sure. Uh, but, but what's happening right now uh, is that Hall is suing Oates. I uh, mistakenly thought that this was because Hall had turned into a bitter old man. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he, he brought now a couple things happened in Hall's life. First of all, he's, he's not a womanizer, but he's very closed off. I think he's got like a couple kids. He doesn't talk to whatnot. He's super rich, you know, and his wife died. Sure. Re- not, not terribly recently, but recently enough uh, that he was with for a really long time. He's 77 years old. He brought back live at Daryl's house. Motherfucker can still right. sing. Uh, but uh, but but you know all these things are pointed to like hey you're winding down bud, and and you're gonna you're gonna do what all these people are doing is like sell their catalog, and so I was like and if you see Daryl Hall talk he, he comes off as kind of a dick probably not but th- that's you know but he's earned a lot of that whatever, uh turns out it's Oats. Oats was trying to sell the catalog so, no is that right turns out Oats sold part of the catalog apparently. Oh. I don't know all the details. I don't, I'm, I'm going to find these out. At some point, we will like have wow. all the details and talk about it. So, so here's what we know so far, is that this is a joint venture. Uh, and if you, any interviews with Hall right now, you go out and he refers to him as his business partner, refers to Oates as his business partner, <laughs> and, and swears that Oates really didn't have that much creative input and hasn't been like a creative partner since like 1975. Which do do the math there, and that's a little weird, and that that's where I was like, oh, this is like whatever, bitter old man. Um, but yeah. in their joint venture, um, they have all, all the types of rights, you know, mechanical rights, songwriting, publishing, all that stuff that we've talked a lot about on the show. At any rate, somehow, Oates was able to sell half of a stake in something, and and Hall says he didn't have a have a say in it, and he was like. Can't go for that. And so now, <laughs> and so now uh, Oates was trying to do it again um, to, to affirm like the, who, who bought Taylor Swift's stuff. Not the same thing, but hypnosis yeah. and stuff like that. And that's what the restraining order is about. So yeah. they're, they're waiting uh, in a Nashville or in Tennessee court because that's where Oates is in Nashville. Uh, they're waiting for a ruling on that, but the restraining order is to keep Oates from doing anything. And to selling. keep him from selling yes. his share of... Yes. Now... Oh, see, I, I assumed restraining order was something about personal safety and, like, keeping him <laughs> away from Daryl <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> <Clearly, yeah>. Amazing. <laughs> I was like, wow, things have really deteriorated over in yeah, Holland. Yeah, no. and a lot of people made that joke, and, and a lot of people felt that, but it, it wasn't that at all. It's, it's purely a legal thing. Uh, and, huh. and it's just to stop him from selling it. It's, uh, I, I won't call it sad when it comes to stuff like this, because again, these guys are getting up there. I, I don't know yeah. what it doesn't, at some point it doesn't do them any good to hold these rights. Uh, now, right. Does this mean Hall is like, maybe like, I want to put these in the public domain. 
<laughs> That'd be wild. <laughs> but probably not. I can't I can't imagine that's it. I can't But imagine that. that. Imagine Hall, the great benefactor of music, <laughs> be like, I'm gonna take some of the greatest hits of all time and I'm gonna make them public domain. Years before they would normally be. But um yeah. So that I would sure, sure, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> I think he probably wants to monetize it on his YouTube channel. I think he does. I I, I think yeah. I think I think that's what is happening. It, it all has to do with money. Um I think this kills any chance of me seeing Hall Notes. Uh he you know, he's on several media appearances and in articles he's like, Yeah, we're never working together again. Um, yeah. Which yeah, is seems which is fine. Um yeah, yeah, yeah I had my chance. <laughs> yeah. How are, yeah. How are you taking? How are you taking this? You're I'm the fine. you're the real I'm, victim I, I'm here. I'm fine. It's it's one of those things. It's like for as many great songs as they have, they have bad songs. Um. And and I'm not like a person who is like excited necessarily by hits. I'm excited by good songs. So like if I went to see him and they played all of Abandoned Luncheonette, that'd be great. But most of the audience is there to see like Man Eater, Kiss on My List, all that stuff, the '80s stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. I I do enjoy that he's that Hall is doing the. Uh, live at Daryl's house. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, but Guy is still can play, he can sing. Uh, it's it, which is remarkable for somebody his age. Uh, and I, and you won't hear me say something like that often, but 77, like, and you can still yeah. sound like you're 20. Like, like that's that's yeah. crazy. Um, Peter Gabriel is also like that though, so you know, not not unprecedented. Elton John, maybe a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's. I don't know. It's a reminder that the music industry is fucked up and also what we've experienced as Gen X people like is winding down, right? We're phasing out. Um, this is, this is going to be a whole new ball game. Um, in, in 10 years, like what we like is probably not going to be that relevant and they're all going to be dead. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, we're in decline. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> <Right>. okay. <laughs> it's natural. Finishing this off with a really uplifting episode. For a while you're ascendant and then you're in decline. Well, since since you brought up since you brought up Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I you also have thoughts on the new Peter Gabriel release that I, I'm I'm I, I do. curious to. Uh, uh, I I've listened to the dark side mix and I've listened to the I've a, a- beat it with the bright side mix. Um, it's not his best work, but it's Peter Gabriel. I mean, Peter Gabriel, he he creates these lush songs and stuff and they're either, they're either very, uh, well-written and meaningful or they're not. And I, and and, Mm. and and I'm gonna, there's two phases, well, three, if you count Genesis, but two phases of Peter Gabriel up to now is everything up till so. And that's him doing weird art stuff. Had occasional hits. The meaningful stuff, uh, the hits were too, like, buoyant. Like, Salisbury Hill is too buoyant for anything else on that album, right? Yeah. So it really takes years to get into, like, oh, he's saying something really earnest. But the key with Peter Gabriel is that he has always been over-earnest. Um, on So, through Up, he reined that in. And those three albums speak to a certain point in time in our history as people. Um, you know, so is perfecting the stuff that came before us is, is about his divorce, his uh, estrangement from his child. And, and up is about our uh, entrance into the information age. 
and how it would really take yeah. over. Uh, an incredibly angry album that I recommend people listen to because already then he's angry about this. And this is a guy who loves technology, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're now 20 years out from that. And that, that would have been a perfect ending point. He could tour, he could do whatever. Uh, he's done some uh, cover albums, but original material. So we're 20 years out and this guy has made this album uh, that doesn't quite stick together. But but here's what's notable about it. You're, you're going to like this or not like it, depending on if you like Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. That seems that seems that seems to be like the like the decide like yeah I mean I I'm not I'm not a huge Peter Gabriel person so yeah, yeah. I haven't even I haven't even really listened to it um, although I've enjoyed uh, hearing because we talked about this I think on a previous episode and about about the release strategy and the fact that this yeah. was something that oh oh you know what I think it came up when we were talking about the Tim remaster yes so and about artists making choices so yeah. artists making choices. There is uh, the process in making any album is is a lot of choices, but once everything is recorded, then the choices come. And you're mixing engineer, you're mastering. Like there's a lot of choices, but they define what your statement is. And what Peter Gabriel has done has skipped the last thing, the last statement. I thought I could get past it, and as a listener, as a longtime fan, like I cannot uh, because it just you you hear it and you're like. Uh, like and look as a preference, I think the bright side mixes are bad. I, th- I think they're just okay. they sound. Like, but but on the whole, every, all the mixes are kind of not what they should be, and it's because he didn't make the choice. You know, you he had these two things in front of him, and then you mix them somehow. You, you blend them to make the perfect version of that song. And he said, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't know, leave it up to the listener." And so as Peter Gabriel's legacy, I don't, I don't understand. Like, it's just so hard to engage with artists like that because the phrase fall up your own ass, like is it, it, it was made for situations like this. And the next thing we're going to talk about, (laughs) but, but, but it's, it's just, it's just kind of a, a guy who's arted as hard as he has his whole life. To uh-huh. give in to capitalism, because you sure can get like fifty different box sets of this. There's also a third mix. There's a Dolby Atmos mix. So, I it it, it feels bad, is what I'm saying. So I I guess my question for you is like if if his vision were to say I'm going to present two looks at the same thing, like do you think that that's not a valid artistic choice? I don't. To say, like, I, I want to take the concept of an album and instead of having this sort of one thing, well, I want to present you with, with two things. Okay. I think any way you choose to express yourself artistically is valid. Like, let's clear that hurdle. And that's for any artist yeah. we talk to on this sh- about, talk to, talk about on the show. You chose to express yourself. That's valid. What's also valid is for people to just be like, this is bad. This is dumb. The, this type of project, the way he did it, is so amateur and so beneath what he has done in the past uh, that it, it it's just it's, – I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around it. And I know there's – like a lot of people are going to make arguments to like, oh, but these mix engineers, yeah, they're fantastic. They're both fantastic engineers. But like 
it feels like he knew the songs weren't there because I don't think the songs are there. I think it's a collection okay. of interconnected songs. He's tried to explain how they're connected, but they're not really connected in the way the other albums have been connected. Uh, that that are just about things, you know. But at what it's like twelve songs. It's a long album. Like there's no you're 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 just listening to a bunch of singles and and. I personally don't want that from Peter Gabriel. I don't think anybody does. Um, but you know, okay. so, so so your so your sense is that in addition to uh, the concept being one that's like a little iffy, mm -hmm. um, and I'm really I think I'm not I'm not intending to, but I'm sort of I'm sort of hearkening back to that conversation about well, Tim, where, where like it was important for you to think like, well, there is a definitive version of the album. There's that last choice that needs to get made. Yes, right. So, so in addition to to like the concept being maybe a little bit iffy, you, I mean, you also think the material is is not good, and it's and and then you it's know the mixing great. and the presentation are yeah. It's it's not it's not after twenty years, it's not like yeah, it's like okay, not up to the Peter Gabriel standard. Yeah, not my Peter Gabriel standard. I mean, your your mileage may vary. And people like Peter Gabriel for really different and really weird reasons, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a polarizing figure in music uh, and always has. I mean, that's I steer away from his work with Genesis in favor of his work or, or Genesis' work without him, except for the first Genesis album, which is amazing to me. Um, but I think this is the type of thing, if he had finished the album and then said later, oh, I gave it over. It, it's like pre-remixing, -re if that makes sense. You know, I finished the yes. album, but I gave it to these people to make their own choices about it. Right? Are the songs, are the, like, are the arrangements, the tempo, like, is it the same, same. instrumentation with different... Oh, really? I thought it was, like, one version of it was, like, I don't know, fast, and one version was nope. slow. It's nope. this... Oh. No. It's, it's just different sounds. Yeah. Yeah. And he, people, you can't see the look on Eduardo's face, but he was like, ah, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was legit. Like, you know, it's like, um, like the way, uh, you know, you're crazy is on appetite for destruction and lies. And one version yes. is like slow and acoustic and the other is not. No, 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 no. So, so you, without having listened to it though, how do you, how does that make you feel? Cause I know you were more on the side of like, oh, the Tim thing is, is great. It's fine. Well, I think what matters is the end, right? So, like, I think the Tim remaster sounds good. So, um, I understand where you're coming from in terms of, like, there can't be a new definitive edition of Tim. Like, Tim already exists. You can't re-release right. Tim or revise it. Um, you know, in this in this case, I was... So, actually, a friend of, friend of the show, Andres, was, um, was asking oh, yeah. me about this the other day because uh, uh, he's a big Peter Gabriel fan. Um, and he's really into like, you know, Peter Gabriel, he was just telling me that, um, he has released four self-titled albums and on those four self-titled albums, he never uses a symbol. Like there are like hi-hats and other and percussion, but like, there's just this idea that like on my self-titled albums, I won't, there, there will never be a recorded symbol right. on the album. Yeah. And so he was sort of saying like, you know, maybe Peter Gabriel, and I don't, I don't think he's listened to the record either, but he was like, maybe he's doing something that's just like weird and different and, and valid. And, uh, and I, and I really didn't know. I've, I've sort of kept myself, um, ignorant yeah. of, of the record. Cause I'm more, I'm, I'm more here for the discourse than I am for the music. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now that I know that it's basically the same, it's like the same, like it's the same tracks, right? So it's like the same yeah. vocal track, the same, just. So you can go into a record store on Friday. Well, if you uh-huh. get it on CD, you have to buy a double CD. Okay. So the cash. Have to. Cash money. Yeah. You can choose between which vinyl version you want. But if you go get the vinyl, the dark side or the bright side mix, it's just literally a change in mix. And one, the bright side mix sounds, uh, I don't, I don't want to say Imagine Dragons, but I did. So, mm. um, but it's very bright, right? It's, I mean, okay. that's, uh, and then the dark side mix, uh, mixed by, uh, Ch- Chad Blake. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That dude. Right. Yeah. And, and it sounds what you expect from Peter Gabriel. It, hmm. it is darker, but it's also more lush. So if, if I have a preference, um, I'm going to listen to that. And people may say, yes, you can ignore that the bright side thing exists. Yeah, I can. <laughs> but it's always going to be there. And the, you're the annoyed. Me. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, why did you do that? What's interesting about this, too, is the album that I'm working on. Uh, and, and you saw this in a text I sent you the other day. I've been yeah. sh- I've been sharing around uh, sequencing because this, this is what happens at the end of an album. Like I'm, I'm mixing uh, mostly finished, but sequencing because the order things in has an effect on how you feel. This is the point of an album. Sure. At, at the end of the day, how do these tracks in this order make you feel? So I sent it to our friend Andre, um, and he sent it back about a week later and said, hey, I don't know what you think about this, but try it in this order. And it was sheer madness. <laughs> but I did try it in the order. And what was wild about it is that it was a completely different album at this point. And one thing we've t- talked about doing, me and Andre, is he's got a band now in D.C. called Time in the Wilderness. Yeah, um, they great. had a gig at the saloon. Um, I th- think they might have an album next year. They're working on that. But one of the things we're talking about doing is that I want to, after I release this, I want to go record with that band. Because I'm making all this myself. I want to record with that band. And so we started talking about, like, what if we did it in this order? Now, that's going to be something that is a completely different thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Interesting. Is it a gimmick? Yes. A little bit. (sighs) I mean, for sales, especially if I were to put them out both at the same time. But it is something that I'm kind of like, well, this this is very artistically interesting to me to see how it can be completely different. Like I almost don't want to play on it at all, but I, I it's more fun. We haven't played music in years, so it's more, it's going to be more fun for me yeah, yeah. to do that. Um, so like I get, and, and also though, this is, this is me just being up my own ass. I get arting really hard, right? <laughs> like, this is like, why would I do this? Um, but, uh, yeah, just to see it on the scale, uh, the Gabriel is at, or the scope, the level it's it's weird yeah. um and also weird though is a, a flute album from andre 3000 yeah a lot of people um he has the like longest song ever to chart in the billboard hot 100 or of whatever course. of course longer than and the previous longest song was tool was something by tool so <laughs> yeah i mean i know it's, it's so uh, uh have, have you listened to it I have listened to the Andre 3000 record and I, I mean, I like international anthem stuff. I like Carlos <laughs> stuff a lot. Uh, I, I, I already have that. 
Uh, yeah, and that's what Carlos Nino. He had put out another album that day, even uh, that kind of got mm-hmm. buried. Uh, he's put out a couple albums over the past few years. Is a figurehead of the scene and stuff. Um, you know, and again, this gets into the idea of good on Andre Benjamin for arting. Yes. Yeah. For, yeah. First Cel- step. Celebrate first it. That's great. Anybody yeah. is out there being like, what do you think? Fuck that. Like art, how you want to yeah. art. But after hearing it once, I was just like, well, to say it's a solo album or it's even his is disgenuous. You know, yeah. It, it's like, yeah. um, and it's a really hard album to talk about. I'm glad the discourse died down really quickly, though, because people are out here saying like, "Oh, it's the best thing ever." It's the best thing, and and if you haven't heard this kind of music, but like you said, this is what international anthem has been doing for the past five years, I think. Yeah, and and for people who are real, I don't know. I mean, I w- I would love to see. You know what? I want to see receipts. I want to see the play count. <laughs> that yeah. people have for these yeah. because I suspect a lot of people listened to this like once or twice thought it was, you know, brilliant because it's sort of outside of their normal wheelhouse and, and maybe aren't engaging with it beyond that. And look, that's not to like, like people are allowed to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to discredit that, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is, you know, anytime an artist sort of steps into a different lane, there's always this dynamic of like, well, that lane didn't, you know, it existed before that artist crossed into it. Yep. Um, and if you're into this, you know, hopefully you'll really go in and, you know, and listen to some Carlos Nino and Miguel Atwood Ferguson and stuff. Yeah. Right. Who he has a three hour album out. Just came out uh, a couple days ago. Yeah. 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 We'll put that in the show notes, but. So it's sort of like people who stop, who like heard, I don't know, like if you heard Kid A and you didn't sort of go yeah. beyond that into like other uh, experimental electronic music, then, well, that's, you know, that's, I mean, you're allowed, you're allowed to do that, but like, you know, there's, 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 there's more like, like if you do like that, then there's, there's more to it. And, and why wouldn't you want to look around a little bit? Yes. And and I think that's what a lot of people have said. That's the hope. It turns them on to stuff. I, I do think it's a little gross that, uh, I mean, they, they trotted out all the names of jazz greats. Um, to sell this thing and look yeah. he can't play flute like I, I, <laughs> yeah. that might be a, it just any, nothing on that album tells me that he can play flute it tells me that he has a flute that he attempts to play flute but there's nothing that is like there's no it the flute doesn't add anything to what Carlos Nino and crew brought to it yeah and that's not a problem and if you like it you like it but let, let's just like calm down by saying it's like Alice Coltrane or it's as good as anything Pharaoh Sanders did, which was right. a thing, a thing, a lot of things, very smart people, very like people who know, know this music said. <laughs> like, Yeah, I think it's hard to get, I mean, it, it, it's just not, it's hard to put someone who's, who's made one record in a genre mm. shoulder to shoulder with, right? So like. So if if this is really Andre 3000's new lane, and if ten year if ten years down the road we're looking at like like if he's on international anthem and playing at big ears, right? right which and, would be yeah, yeah. Uh, then 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 yeah, then then that's but like you don't you don't get to you don't get to be shoulder to shoulder with some of those people after one record. I, I just don't I just don't see how that's I don't I don't that to me is not really like a defensible comparison. No, no, it's but not. but I do have a flute segue. Okay. Into 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 the tracks for this week. Okay, because okay. I actually have so I actually I actually have a jazz track with a flute 
for my choice. Okay. Nice. Uh, Nicely done. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, my track for the week is going to be um, the. It, this is the last. This is an album that's coming out. Uh, I think next year. It's coming out in March of twenty four. Mm-hmm. Um, called Eye Eye uh, by Amaro Freitas. Amaro mm-hmm. Freitas, uh, if you're Portuguese uh, speaking, and uh, that title is spelled like Y apostrophe Y. So don't go looking for AAA because you're, you know, it's like Joanna Newsom's yeast record. You just have to know how to spell it. Um, so it comes out in March. Uh, this track is, he's a pianist. Um, he's had a, he's put out a couple of records that, that I've thought were interesting. This track really, this was like an early kind of single for it. And I really, uh, really enjoyed this. Uh, Shabaka Hutchings is on this playing the flute. Uh, and Shabaka Hutchings so, is a person who is, who is switching his lane. Yeah. And has but can um, back it up. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, this is a good, you know, the personnel on this record, like Jeff Parker's on here, Brandy oh, Younger is going to be on here. They're they're not they're not on this track, but they are but they are credited with with performing on other songs on the record. So, uh, so this is um, Encantados by Amaru Freitas. Thank you. 
Have it, Encantados by Amaro Freitas. Big fan, big fan. Yeah, love that. I mean, I, I I like I like jazz piano, just straight up. Yeah, jazz piano. Then you throw in an upright bass, um, which uh, man, that guy, <laughs> he's got to be tired. <laughs> it's almost a ten minute track, and there's three minutes solid where he's just doing the same pattern over and over and over and over, and that type of stuff works because. You start to trance out. Well, the, you know, the something about, um, so that's Aniel Somalian mm-hmm. on the bass. Um, you know, it, the way, the way it's, the way, the way he's playing the bass and that sort of trance like quality is what really kind of pulled me into like a sort of Coltrane McCoy Tyner kind of space with yeah. it. Like it's got a very like Love Supreme ish kind of, uh, sense about it. Um, so yeah, uh, closing. Out. I should have said that was nine minutes before we started playing it. Probably, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> sorry, it's sorry, fine. listeners. That's out on a psychic hotline, which is something uh, we were talking about while we was playing. That that's uh, Sylvanus or the Glows label. Um, yeah. They are. Uh, it was originally they were just doing a lot of North Carolina artists. Uh, Joe Westerland does a lot of work mm. like in the jazz percussion, especially uh, he put out a couple albums in there, but it's nice to see him branching out. Uh, that is not, yeah. that is not what I would have expected to happen, but I'm glad, but you know, they've been working with Sam Gendel a lot. Uh, okay. He, so okay. he's, he's yeah. been on this like, is in that land. his own, uh, his own projects, but he's been popping up on everything. So yeah. Uh, good on that. Quick question before we move on. Y- you've brought in a lot of Brazilian music uh, this season. Which is neat keeps for, for me, huh? for me, but like for, for you, how does, uh, like, are, are you more, are you being drawn to it right now? Like, I, I don't have, I guess, I guess my draw towards like American music is subconscious. Um, yeah. so I guess what I'm asking, is this a conscious thing or is it because you're, you're making an effort to like seek out more Brazilian music? 
It's not a con- it's not a conscious thing. Um, okay. It's probably more a reflection of like the way we're structuring the show now and like realizing like what we can do with the with the trackings and that yeah, it's yeah, sort yeah. of a chance to bring in something that that you know people would would really maybe not come across on their own. Um, and so maybe that's what sort of pointed me toward you know knowing that. I mean, even though even though we are very downloaded in Brazil, I think most of our yeah. <laughs> most of our listeners are fifteen thousand downloads. Yeah, in the off season, <laughs> Who, whoever you are, chiamo, chiamo, cara, Yeah, no, I, I was just wondering that because it's it's stuff that I'm not um, that I don't know and stuff that like I, I honestly don't seek out that much. Um, yeah. Jao Gabelto, um, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just came across a remarkable like archival release that came out, out earlier this year. Uh, oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and, and for me and maybe our listeners, the challenge is, um, be, because it does. If you hear somebody sing in a different language, it's different. And you have a different experience if you don't understand the language. I think that applies to like music, just instrumental music too. Um, oh, it does. Yeah. So there are things that I can pinpoint about Gilberto. Gil, I can't speak Gilberto. Yeah. yeah um, that I recognize, but then there's stuff that just doesn't make any sense. And figuring that out is part of the fun as to why. Because for a while, like I can listen to it and be like, "Wow, these ten songs sounds exactly the same," and I, and I know they're not. Yeah. Yeah. And so the trick is. Good, it, Go ahead. Well, it, it it gets you outside of your head when you listen to music that you don't that like is yeah. sort of culturally distant and and if you have a language barrier that's even better because it just sort of frees you up to really just focus on the sounds and the feelings right um, right so it's been a good exploration um, yeah I, I'm gonna take us in a very basic direction um, but yeah, I, but I want I, I want to tell you how we got here you know there are new rules about how we pick these tracks and I've done this before so I've traveled back in time. Um, in part because this being the end of the year, I usually check out on new music and, and a little ashamed to admit this, but like right before Thanksgiving, I'm like, you know what? This, this is good. I, and part of it is because we spend so much time making these shows and listening to music that like, I, I need like a good month to just enjoy my shit and, and process what we talked about more a lot of times. That's part of it. Um, which doesn't explain how we came by or I came by the album we're talking about today. But this uh, just came on. It, a lot of times uh, I'll put on my favorites mix or my algorithms, algorithm thing on Apple Music. And it's really good <laughs> for, for my purposes, especially if I play when I'm cooking or I'm just like walking down by the lake or whatnot. Uh, but as you would imagine, there is a lot of late 60s and then 70s music in here. One of the bands uh, that is one of my favorite bands is a band called The Raspberries. This band is fronted by Eric Carmen, who most people listening will know, if they don't know The Raspberries, uh, of Hungry Eyes from Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that remarkable voice. And like, how, Do you think people know The Raspberries that much? I don't think they do. Okay, I really yeah. don't think they do. This I is one of those bands that, like, yeah. I, I remember my friend uh, Brian r- introduced them to me years and years ago, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, this is amazing!" But but it does feel like because it's it's very it's it's right in line with Badfinger, 
right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's just it's just after Badfinger. In fact, Eric Carmen on this record specifically is accused a lot of sounding exactly like Paul McCartney. Oh, okay. I you know and but so had that going for it pops up in my mix. I love the album. I'm like of course I like that, but I I really am usually drawn towards the first song tonight. In fact, it used to be in the opening credits of this. So you know, it counts it off one, two, three, four, and it's a, it's a great fucking yeah. riff. But at, at any rate, you get further in the album, and it's like van power pop. So okay. so so you picture these guys in like no shirt, leather vest, <laughs> mullet, yeah, right, right, a British wow. mullet, um, and yeah. and like just picking up the ladies, like hey, you, you want a joint or a lewd, something. <laughs> Right? You Loops, picture that. Yeah. Uh, so pair this with the 40th anniversary of a film called The Day After. And I yes. want, I want, this, this is recently that this happened. The Day After was a film uh, in 1983 that people my age were told to watch. It, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's amazing. My parents taped it. My parents taped yeah, it on yeah. TV. We had we had the we had the VHS. I watched I, it. For, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you yeah. why because the people at ABC. Uh, you, I don't think people realize how not close isn't the right word, but the threat of nuclear war was a was pretty high, and it was is a is a fear. There's a fear all growing up in the '80s. Ask anybody who graduated high yeah, school in the yeah. '80s. Like this is so ABC was like you know what. Our politicians aren't getting this done. People don't understand how scared of this shit that they should be, right? Yeah. So they commissioned this film. They said we're gonna we're gonna confront the people, the voters, with it, and make them figure this out. And so they went into the schools. Watch it. You have homework. Your kids have to watch it. We're gonna talk about it the next day. This was, I, and I and I haven't tracked down the PR campaign for this, but if it's what. I've heard described this is the wildest like political PR campaign like I've ever heard of. Well, the movie, well, yeah, real quick. Let me let me tell the movie and then you say something. Um, the movie itself is literally atomic bomb goes off. One of the first images is a kid looking at the atomic bomb and his eyelids burn off on network blind. television. Yeah. yeah, and then the aftermath of that. So by the end of it, like Jason Robard's face is melting. The cast was huge. The cast was like big stars at the time. Absolutely horrifying. <laughs> like still one of the most horrifying. And but that sent me down a uh, nuclear holocaust rabbit hole, which I'll tell you about real quickly before it gets on. But what were you going to say? I was going to say that um, you know what people. I mean, what people don't realize about kind of being kid at that time is that once you were old enough to understand uh so like understand anything about the news some grown-up in your life would be like yeah so the thing they're talking about is that we created this bomb that could like and like we have a lot of them Mm -hmm. and i remember having the conversation of like oh but is it enough to like destroy the planet and they're like oh many times over (laughs) yeah yeah like well how many times well at least 50 you know like we think we can do it 60 or 70 times over we think they can do it maybe 30 or 40 times over and basically if one or both of these people decide to push a button yeah yeah uh we will we will all disappear (laughs) right we will all be gone yeah and i I was Uh like 11 then you were probably like seven or eight 
Um, I was, I, I'm 77. Yeah. So I was, I was six when this came oh, out. Six. I don't remember yeah. watching it on TV, but I, but I, but I do remember watching it quite a bit. Um, from like 1984, I think that's when I moved back to Brazil from like yeah. 84 on. I remember I'd, I'd, I was like already like very familiar with this at the mm. age of like seven or eight. So I, I don't, and people just imagine if you, if you can't, if you didn't experience it, like the scars that left on all our brains. <laughs> so there was the next year, another movie called Threads. Made by the Which BBC. I never saw. It's on Shutter. I haven't seen, Shutter. I haven't seen, seen either. And because it's like, did you like the day after? <laughs> like, no, nobody liked the day after. Like, here's, <laughs> here's that, but like a hundred times worse. I'm going to watch it at some point. <clears throat> but the mother of all these was back in the day, a film called On the Beach, an Australian film. And, it, and the movie is about exactly that. It's just the beach. Nuclear apocalypse has happened and there's nobody left except these people on the beach. Uh-huh. So, on the Raspberries, side three, in 1974, that movie is 59. Um, they're doing power pop, mullets, sweaty leather vests, doobies, lewds, and all that stuff. And then halfway through the album comes a song called On the Beach. <laughs> that is, I, I'm going to let you decide, Eduardo, like, if, if you think I'm right about this. But I think it's exactly what you think it is about. And it starts <laughs> off exactly what you think a raspberry song is and then takes a it just takes a really dark turn it's genius uh and then and then the song after it is like a beatles song but (laughs) here's on the beach from the raspberries off their album size Yeah. 
All right, so there's On the Beach. It's a musical journey, uh, unlike anything you've heard, Eduardo. So, so let's 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 check in here. So, did, does does the bomb fall like mid makeout? Is that <laughs> here's here's what I don't here's what I don't know here's what here's yeah. what I think is that the bomb has fall fallen the everything's gone right and they're they're trying to uphold this like idea of civilization which is you know in all this music kind of misogynistic but you know whatever for for that time not whatever to misogyny that's bad um yeah. And, yeah. and then halfway through the song. Like reality slaps him in the face, and he's just like, "Well, it seems like it's sort of like the, a beach. It, it, yeah, it's like a Beach Boys scene until suddenly you're like, oh, except everyone's dead, except a few right. people. May, maybe yeah. just this dude and this lady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's such a remarkable point, like because everything else on the album is like a Beach Boys thing. It's like happy, right, good, right. lucky. Uh, well, I like, you know, I liked how, um, I mean, I like the sort of, there's that sort of like, uh, kind of, uh, tempo shift a little bit in the chorus where they sort of, um, I think maybe just the bass kind of slows down and maybe holds a beat for a little bit longer. And there's this, uh, just gives it this feeling of like being expansive. It's got that sort of like guitar tone quality. That's a little bit sort of from that, like when everyone was playing like a 12 string, uh, Or, or maybe a little bit of that, you know, that sort of like she's so heavy kind of uh, chord progression. Yep. yep. Uh, but um, it, it's really, it's a, it's a really fun song. It's like it, despite it the, despite the dark undertones, like I really enjoy it. Well, what's funny to me is that how the darkness creeps in because, like you said, like yeah. the, it starts dragging notes, but like the the first verse is pure pop, right? Yeah. And then, and then there's like a measure of the of the guitar thing, and then it goes back into the song. Right, but then something breaks in the structure of that, and there's an off note. Like, listen yeah. to it again sometime, and like, it's, yeah. there's an off note, and it just keeps descending just a little until it hits that hard break. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, you're on the beach, and it's not, it's not <laughs> it's really good. a happy place. Maybe you don't want to be there. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that I, I've been listening to that song a lot since I was thinking about those movies. <laughs> That's, That's really great. Yeah, it is. And that album, for people who don't know, uh, I, you know, I did this in our group chat. Uh, you and I have with somebody on Instagram and um, Matt Suter. Uh, mm-hmm. And I said, if Wilco covered this album, the universe would explode. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Wilco should consider. <laughs> covering this I, album. I do, you know, I listened to it with that sort of, with your suggestion. Uh, and, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know the record. And so I, I didn't have a chance to listen to it very closely, mm-hmm. but I sort of put it on and I kept thinking like, oh yeah, I could see. Yeah. This would be great if Wilco did it. Yeah. Actually. I'm always flagging on Wilco and sort of saying no one wants more music from them, but if they covered this, I would want it. I think this is what, this is what I want Wilco to sound like now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yes. not what they sound like. Because it's close to albums. Summer Teeth. Because you and I are both Summer I think, Teeth. I think adherence. so, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that's yeah. probably it. It's closer to Summer Teeth than it is to Cruel Country, for example. Um, yeah. And and the songs are about... Um, and this has been like songs the whole season, the whole year. Uh, they're not telling you what emotions to have. They're guiding you towards them. Yeah, yeah. Which is... 
that's a good song to me. And the opposite of that is indie rock. So, <laughs> think of that one. Well done. Uh, so we're gonna take a break, and you know what? We're gonna is Elizabeth Moe in indie rock? I guess we'll find out. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. DVD. Come back, talk about uh, um, wherever you aren't, which is one of my favorite albums of 2023 that came out in 2022. Hang tight. That's a little bit of the song Headgear is the first uh, track of Elizabeth Moen's 2022 album, Wherever You Aren't. Elizabeth Moen is a uh, Midwesterner, I'm proud to say. Chicago-based, uh, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, Chicago-based. She's from a uh, small town in Iowa. Went to school, though, in Iowa City. Um, it was about like four hours from here, maybe. Maybe okay. maybe closer. I still haven't don't have my Midwest geography down. But she ended up settling in uh, Chicago. Uh, she... As does I think like she does actually like voice acting maybe uh, I think she's toured with Kevin Morby's band. This is her third or fourth album. Uh, this album was made uh, sort of not in a traditional way. She started with studio sessions, but then the pandemic hit, so she's had to travel like all over places she could go and just like record vocals for this thing. So uh, she's as you hear from that song she's a incredibly smart songwriter she's an incredibly funny songwriter uh <laughs> i mean i i don't know how often you laugh when you listen to an album but it's not often for this me is a, this is a funny and one this is a, this is a, this is a, and it's a genuine gut laugh because it's it's almost it's not it's not cringy, but it's almost like she sings about this emotional place that everybody has been in. And I've seen this album talked about like in like, Oh, your early twenties or something. I don't think it's even that. I think it's just like, if you engage with humans, um, and, and, and make yourself emotionally available, 
which is one of the songs, you know, that you're, you're going to, you're going to stumble into a few of these things that she's talking about. Uh, this came to me like an album earlier this year that you talked about through Instagram and, and I, I didn't even follow her on Instagram, but it, it popped up in our feed and she's like, happy birthday to this album that I released last year. Self, uh, self-made Kickstarter to release it, not on a label. And I was like, you know, and from Chicago, I was like, oh, you know what? I, I think that's that's something I should check out. From the first note, I was like, ah, well, she she can sing, <laughs> which we'll talk about. Like, and something about this, every song pulled me deeper into what she was doing with this album. And by the end of one listen, I was like, I have to explore every single record on this person's catalog. She just put out a, a new album of Arthur Russell covers. Uh, yeah. And any, I was, I was surprised. Uh, that's that, that's as far as I, I didn't, I didn't go back, but I listened to that yeah. new one and I think immediately texted you because you and I had had that Peter Broderick, Arthur yeah, Russell yeah, yeah, yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, her quote about this album is these songs are about mental health, joy, panic attacks, falling in love, falling out of it and accepting that sometimes it will stay with you forever. Uh, that tracks, that, especially that last part. That tracks, a, and I yeah. and I don't have we talked about an artist that like that's the mission statement and they nailed it as hard as she does on this. Well, I mean, I had some. I thought of you know this um, this album left me thinking a little bit about um, a record we reviewed a couple years ago, which I think was um, was that Pearls for Breakfast by Madeline Kinney. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think had like a very similar energy to this, to this record. Um, just in terms of like, um, you know, the way the songs are structured and, uh, there's a sort of, there's like a, there's a softness to the, to the way this album is recorded, which is to say like, it's sort of a, it's sort of like a warm, gentle sounding things. I don't mean to say, to say that it's like all saccharine because yeah. she can sort of, you know, she's, she's a remarkable singer. Uh, she can sort of go into like a sort of you know Grace Potter kind of Lucinda Williams type type gear where it's yeah, which, yeah, where yeah. it's just very like rockist and uh, there are some vocal uh, twists here and there that like reminded me a little bit of like oh am I listening like is is there like an Olivia Rodrigo like guts kind of thing going on here where there's just a sudden sort of yeah kind of like that that sort of like you know bratty uh sort of turn uh uh you know vocal turn for effect which i think is a really great great trick um you know and in addition to being like really funny like this is you know it's it's you know being funny only gets you so far mm-hmm. uh because she's also really smart and i think what you know what i what i what really stuck with me about this record is like first of all it's it's candid and direct right yep. i think it's is it in uh, what's the song where she talks where she's like you know maybe I should sing maybe I should join a different band to stop singing songs about my ex <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> something like that which is like which is like both funny but also like you know really true and really smart and yeah. um, like on this song you know I think you know what so what I take from this um, and I did I did wear uh, headgear as a uh, wow. <laughs> as a preteen um, and, uh, you know, this, the song, uh, talks a little bit about this, uh, sort of, you know, grinding your teeth and having, and, and this feeling of like a sort of a hidden stressor. And there's this sense in the chorus that like, uh, 
like it's ambivalent. This happens in a couple of songs of hers, like um, where like the last line of the chorus, you think the chorus is like, uh, oh yeah, I made it. I sort of, you know, right? Like this one is like, I figured it out and I talk about it now sometimes. And then the closing line is, oh, but what about, <laughs> right? Like there's this sense that like, it's still this thing that you thought you were done with is still with you. Yeah. Um, and the album is really, you know, really uh, earns a spot alongside the, the tradition of like, of like really good, uh, mid, you know, like early adulthood breakup albums, right? Like, like, like yeah. Quarter yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, 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 yeah, I, I like yeah it it's, yeah, it's, it's that, uh, sort of ambiguity in a lot of this stuff, but also there, there's some very like headgear is looking back. It seems that like an, an, an X. Yeah. You know, like, like I made it, it through, I'm in a safe place. I, I have through, a new lover, but, right? but also ends yeah. like, she's like kissing her lover. Good night. And it's unclear if that's the same person. Like, you know, yeah. th these type of, because relationships take all kinds of different paths. You know, and it could just be like, hey, this person's kind of a piece of shit because that's, what, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, I'm still with them for whatever reasons. The next song, uh, Synthetic Fabrics, um, there's two great lines in there. One of them, my friends uh, don't talk to me much anymore. I don't blame them. What do I have left to say about shit that'd be worth listening to? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it is, is definitely a, a way I think all of us have been, but also it's a, that album is about, or that song is about, um, making choices and the impact of those choices. And one of them, to, I interpret it as like, should she get an abortion? Uh, and it could be way off yeah. base. Like, should, it, what if I don't keep my appointment? Because it's immediately, yeah. it, it's immediately preceded by like, what if I want to have kids Sunday? And yeah, what, what if, if I, I got pregnant? What if I which have is, kids? Yeah. yeah, which is in the way this stuff is presented, uh, which is sort of an indie bluesy, uh, you feel good while you're listening to it, right? To have something yeah. that heavy and real come up in there, it just it 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 just made my head snap around. I was like, wait, what? What's going on? Um, this is the type of album that reminds me of like Nico Case's Blacklisted. Um, oh yeah, where it's a statement album of this artist. You know, because she had uh, Nico Case and her boyfriends, or the Virginian before that. Uh, but it's not as gothic as Nico Case. Nico Case is her own thing. But I think Elizabeth Moen is her own thing uh, in, in just a very different way. But stuff like that, uh, Brittany Howard, who she's opened for, like there, there's, a, there's a huge, yeah. uh, like somewhere between Brittany Howard's work with Alabama Shakes and then the more recent, more experimental work she's doing. Brad Allen Williams is in her band now, who we, yeah. who we talked to. Somewhere in there, and that's where I think you, you picked up on the, like the vocal tricks and the vocal jumps. And, so, that it's, and then Amelia Meath. I, th I think yeah. uh, she owes a lot to that style of singing. So it, it feels like she's absorbed this, like the past 20 years or so, maybe 30 years of singers specifically like female singers and and come up with something new yeah well you know you mentioned that she does um voice acting work and yeah. like something we've talked about before is like is just how much acting is a part of singing right how much yeah. like being could be you know your ability to convince someone that you're feeling or thinking the thing that you're talking about right yeah, yeah, yeah. and 
it's it's like it's critical in like hip hop. It's you know if you go listen like that's what you know in my mind that's what makes Bob Dylan great is like not not that he not that his songs always make sense because sometimes you know they're abstract but that whatever he sees like the way he sings you have no doubt that he's seeing it even if you have no idea oh, what yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think that's, that's one of the things that really kind of impressed me, uh, with, with the way she, she performs is like just the, the vocal confidence and the songwriting. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, someone else who is really kind of near and dear to me as a songwriter that, uh, that I think, um, that I would, that I would gladly compare this to is, is like Will Schaff, who I think, um, has written really sort of, you know, kind of adult sounding like, 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 like there was this quality to, you know, whether this is indie or not, there's a quality to indie that was always a little bit sort of like, uh, twee and people don't use fuck as a verb and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I really like when a songwriter is, it feels like they're standing in front of you and they're like, look, I am a full human person. I am a woman and I have like a woman's body and a woman's thoughts or humans that right. Like it, it, yeah. it, it, it feels very like, uh, grounded. Um, well, it's like the crack yeah. I, I made on any music about like, you know, it, it, it tries to, a lot of it tries to tell you how to feel instead of like, like painting a thing and like, yeah, it kind of wants you to feel a certain way, but like, it lets you decide. Yeah. Um, and, and the stuff, the Dylan comp is actually really good. I, I was, um, I was, uh, for Thanksgiving, we had kind of a downer Thanksgiving. Uh, Daria was sick, so I was like alone in the basement for a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, get up to various things when you're down there. Uh, one of them is a late night viewing of The Last Waltz. <laughs> and so I'm watching The Last Waltz and um, in, a, in a slightly altered state. And I had this like revelation that, oh shit, like all this is just cosplay. Like the, because the art of making music and songwriting and performing it like is one thing of doing the actual mechanical motions and that, but then that translating into something that you see in the last waltz who Dylan is in is something completely different. And then I started like going through all my favorite bands and it's what they do the best is they're, they're playing this part. Like it's just not necessarily. I think I think Jason Hawk Harris did it on his on Thin Places, like yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, right, I think most right. of the artists we talk to on this are, are doing that. Um, I, I but I think it works for like somebody like uh, Gus Alabaster de Plume, sure, who's sure. who's not really. You know that's that's what he's feeling, and and that the both are valid. But this cosplaying, like you're playing a character that is you. And yeah. using that to not even say things that you wouldn't say normally, just to say them in a way that gets people interested. And I think that's where uh, Elizabeth's talent is and why I'm so drawn to this. I don't know if you've lo- watched any of the live performances, but it's just like, this is this is like generational talent <laughs> of, of what she's yeah. doing. I want to play a song right now because this is an example of, of what we're talking about. X's House Party. Uh, the vocal work in this the narrative of it just the overall performance is just absolutely fantastic here's a little bit of X's house I can see from the corner you watch me if I'm watching too here again and when we're out I tell them I'm just friends now with you talk about what's old and new and dance around what's in between dirty walls and letting go and getting close again 
String hits mm-hmm. hit, and she's matching her voice, the intensity of it. It it's just such a perfect interpretation of of her own self, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it does. It does. Uh, yeah, like, the song. The song re- really. Real quick, I, like I, I've I've asked a lot of people like why we sing stuff oh, oh yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah. why if you if, if if that's delivered any other way the song's probably still pretty good but it's not that <laughs> yeah i mean i i you know part of um and and i've been remiss in sort of not going back far enough uh in in her catalog but i'm really interested in how um how she how she like builds her songs and and how yeah, she yeah, sort yeah. of arranges them because there's a lot um you know this 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 album gives you a lot of looks too right like we we just mentioned that there are some sort of rockers i mean there are strings on here there are a couple of moments that like i don't know if you're applying labels to things you might think like oh is this having like a sort of a little freak folk moment or something like that right there's sort of like high warbly vocals and uh uh and strings i think on the title track in particular mm-hmm. um but but you know what's what's like surprising about this song is like this is well worn terrain right like seeing seeing you know your ex with another person yeah uh and and yet it feels like like it's gripping when you listen to the song you're like and then what yeah. happened and then and then what did you see him oh he was with oh my god he was with her right right like, and how are you uh right and how fast do you get pulled into that that's that's what I don't yeah. understand it's immediate. It's in the first yeah. 10 seconds that all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> I don't know if it was the buildup from the other songs, but it's like, oh, yeah, this is the one. Uh, and she even goes like St. Vincent, like on Emotionally Available oh, yeah. a little bit, which yeah. people who listen know. St. <laughs> Vincent, not for me, but it works here. And I understand it, like, and I understand the influence of that because clearly she knows St. Vincent her music Mm -hmm. understood it and that's why i'm talking about internalizing all this stuff and coming out with something like very uh to my ears at least new and different well right because that because because like that might be something that like you could use that descriptor to tarnish uh i don't know greta van fleet or man (laughs) maniskin is that main skin (laughs) main skin yeah um Right, like like the implication could be like there aren't original things here, and that's really I think far from what's what's going on here. This this actually makes this this makes stuff that I know and that I think she's pulling from sound fresher than mm-hmm. 
when other people do it. Um, and you're right. It does, it does feel, it does feel new. And, and, and I think that's maybe, I mean, I, I'm just going to keep crediting her as a, as a, as a songwriter, um, and as, you know, really as a writer. I mean, I mean, these are just, there, there are really good words on this, you know, just to, you know, the whole, this was never really more than what it is now line is yeah. just, you know, she's not, she's not like, like it would be so easy to give in to some temptation to like really go mawkish there. Uh, and really try to overdo it and sort of, you know, go for the throat. But it's a really, it's a really composed thought. And that, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's why it reminds me too of that. Like you mentioned Jason Hawk Harris, like, like, I like, I remember my takeaway from that record was like, this is a really uh, composed and put together record about falling apart. Yeah. And, uh, and this has that same quality. It's very, it's very well put together. It's really thoughtful, but it's clearly about capturing moments of just you know total total loss and extreme anxiety and fear and sadness and every song in this could be a rom-com yeah <laughs> yeah every right. single song you're right and i want to see that's the that's movies. why we like it yeah i, <laughs> I want to see the i want to see yeah. the movies that are i want some screenwriter to hear wanted to hear that song and even though that movie's been made like to make the movie that matches like how perfectly it gets it right in that, uh, you know, there's a video for that song. That's also fantastic. Uh, she's done like a tiny desk thing. Fantastic. Uh, I don't, I, I uh, sadly don't have the name of the, the woman who sings with her. Uh, but again, back to the Nico case comparison, you know, Nico case had Kelly Hogan, um, yeah. her, her co-singer. Fantastic. You can, I mean, you hear that on the record. Um, this is just like, it's a total win. I don't know. It's one of those things where we don't listen to, we don't get the chance to like listen to everything we want to in a year. And I know this was in front of us and, and it's like, damn it. Like I slept on this for a year. Uh, you know, she's played cactus club every year that we lived in Milwaukee, yeah, which is crazy. Like that would like, it was the last one was on a Thursday night in July. I could have just walked down the street and then had my mind blown. Um, and, you know, so I feel like even though she was also on NPR's list of artists playing South by Southwest a year, it got canceled. Um, I still am not sure, much like the Raspberries, like how many people know of her, which is why I really want to talk yeah. about this album. Because uh, I, I don't even think she's peaked. Yeah. Oh no. 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 There's, there's, I'm. 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 Ex I'm excited for what's coming next. I'm excited to like. I'm. I'm curious to know about how and when she does tour. Maybe I have mm -hmm. to come out to Milwaukee to see her. Yeah. Um. If she doesn't make it out east, but uh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It. It's a perfect storm of stuff that. You know, talking about the indie rock too. I can't place it, but I know a lot of indie rock that sounds like this. And you know that I don't like that stuff. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's a whole, um, there's, this is, this may be, this may, this may scan to me like a, uh, like car wheels on a gravel road. Uh, okay. 30 years later, right. 30 years on like oh, an man. urbane, uh, yeah, version of that. Um, and you know what? That's an album that like a lot of people have tried to make successors to, and I don't think a lot of people have succeeded. But this, yeah. this, this to me, this to me feels like it. It it goes right there. Is this like the Pixies? Like everybody who hears this starts a band? 
<laughs> I, I hope so. And, and you're right though. Like, like people will not, people will not have heard of this, I think. Uh, yeah. but I will be, but like anyone who hangs out with me over the next week or so, get ready. You're going to hear about Elizabeth Mullen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 100%. So, um, yeah, this is just a fantastic album. Uh, headed out. it's a good way to finish out our season of reviews. I think, um, in a year where we were, Struggling a little to find albums. Yeah. Uh, this is such an easy choice. I mean, it was. It really was. It really and was. I, I hesitated sending it to you. I'm like, oh, Eduardo's going to be like, nah, I don't know. But you, you immediately were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this. So, uh, yeah, Elizabeth Moans, wherever you aren't. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and uh, finish up the show. I to see you, even though I shouldn't It will never be a pleasure to see. All right, Elizabeth Moans, wherever you aren't, is available now. Uh, still have vinyl on Bandcamp. There, I mean, there yeah, you go. Yeah. That, I mean, that, I ordered, that, I ordered, that tells you. I ordered mine today. Yeah, I might break my vinyl drought and like get that because I feel like it's, it's yeah, it's important album, at least important to me. Uh, Amaro Fritas, his album's coming out. Hope you like that. Yeah. Uh, some raspberries. We got that. Let's see, Oof, we got on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Gabriel, uh, you know, if you're listening to this because this will come out on Saturday, Peter Gabriel's album came out on Friday. Definitely like hit us up. I'll let us know what you think. Because uh, I. It, that is one of those things that I'm like, I'm just going to have the way I am about it. That doesn't mean I'm, I feel like I'm right about it. Like, like I'm just being like, this is, this is just how I feel about it. I cannot help how I feel about it because that's who I am. Yeah. But I'm not like, if somebody says, well, fucking, I love it. You're like, you're so wrong. Uh, (laughs) I want to discuss it with people. Uh, Except for the, maybe the Andre 3000. I, I will. <laughs> uh, I will uh, we should put together a. I know it's been done. We should put together a playlist though of stuff to check out if you like the Andre Three Thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great you idea. Know, and just like guide people towards. I mean, the answer is just international anthem, like you said. Yeah. Uh, There's other stuff. There's other y- stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the next episode will be the uh, year-end wrap-up. We'll talk about everything that happened. Maybe. Maybe there'll be a Hall and cage match by then. <laughs> we should paper pay-per-view events. Um just a quick thing. How do you think we did this year, this season? Um, I think we uh oh, that's a good that's a good question. I think we, you know, we we talked to some really great musicians. Like that's yeah. you know, it's it's um like obviously you and I like enjoy talking to each other about music and um and we we love this sort of discovery of of new music but i think you know these last couple of years we've been sort of chatting with artists a little bit more and that really yeah. feels that feels really good um mostly because some of those artists are people that like uh, have not been widely interviewed right? right um and so it's really it's really cool to 
to get to do that. But more importantly, like, I think that's maybe sometimes the best thing we could do for, for the listeners is just to like allow them to hear directly from the artists. Um, so, I mean, we talked to Israel Nash, we talked to Jason Hawk Harris, yeah. we talked to Brad Allen Williams, we talked to Elise from Oceanator. Which was one of my favorite ones, actually. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I'm not as connected to the music as you. Yeah. yeah. But I'm interested. So got... Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to hear, hear, like, I mean, she made it, so her connection to the music. Yeah. And, yeah, I, sometimes, too, and people know this, uh, talking about a record can be hard if you like it. <laughs> yeah. It's, right. so, it's so easy to... It, it is like the easiest thing in the world to sit around and like try to pick apart a record like this is bad this is wrong this is this. it's so hard to actually be like this is actually great about it this is you know uh yeah. and uh yeah there i mean there are a lot of people who wish we had talked to Bruce Hornsby <laughs> <laughs> still working on that one no no I'm tapped out. <laughs> we have other, we have other, we have other, we have other paths. We have other paths. I'm yeah. working. I'm playing. I'm playing the long con on that. Long con on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lonnie Holly. Uh, I wish we would got yeah. that on. Uh, although maybe yeah. maybe we'll do a surprise episode. But we got to talk to Gus. I mean, that's a yeah. You know, that's yeah. That was along that path. Yes. We yes, get Gus and Lonnie. Now that they've met, yeah. Gus and Lonnie on the same show. Yeah, my. So, uh, how do you? Uh, yeah, how do you think we did? I think we did okay. This is, you know, yeah. we're shifting a little what we do, uh, how we do it. Uh, watching like social media is collapsing, so watching like our reach go down. It, you know, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on in the background. Uh, listenership. Uh, I I think I'm thrilled that. Are the few supporters we have support us? Yeah, and ask. Like I get asked about, like, hey, what are you guys? Who are you talking to? Blah blah. And like, yeah, you know, that's yeah. that's important. Um, so that's you know a reason to do it beyond our own like selfish reasons for doing it. But yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel a little untethered from the press cycles more than I yes. did at the beginning of the year. Well, you you and I are going to be hanging out in Milwaukee in a in a couple of weekends. Yes, and uh, we might be we might be talking a little bit about you know the structure and what this looks like going forward. Yeah, uh, but um, and you know we've made I think I think you know we've been making small adjustments to the the structure and format of the show for a while, and hopefully hopefully it, it's it's a better product for you all. Yeah, um, but but we're not done. So, um, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. at some point at three in the morning on the night of my birthday, on a very cold night in Milwaukee, maybe you and I will be solving the future <laughs> of the scholarship once and forever. Yeah, we'll solve it. It'll be the, the final form. Um, it'll be, <laughs> uh, you know, have you, have you seen the, the recent meme of people uh, asking Chat GPT? The, the, type in an image and they're like, okay, now make it, make it the person look like they're working harder. Work harder, work hard, infinitely hard, and just go through these iterations of it. It's it's kind of it's kind of hilarious, but uh, that that may happen. Yeah, we'll just keep pushing pushing what we do until we figure out what uh, is something that is great for us and great for you. you know? Yeah, here here. Uh, 
so the wrap up is going to be sort of a recap of what we talked about. And then, um, I don't know what. We'll see. Yeah. 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 We'll see. All right. Take a little right. time off. Yeah. Enjoy the end of the year. Yes. Get ready for 2024. Yes. Maybe 2024 will be all about boy genius. I that's a that's a hard pivot for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. No, Tune in uh, next week, folks, and see what happens. <laughs> all right. So long. Dollars.